Jackson. Wanna be open inspiration. Wanna be like John Wesley, Sarah Major, who ran him out. Wanna be like Martin Luther, Martin Luther King Jr., like Santa Claus, Johnny Appleseed, Dirk Wim, Gandhi, Alexander Mack, John Klein, George Fox, who Jesus Christ, but mostly just wanna be me. Hey, Dunker Punks. Thank you so much for tuning in for another episode of the Dunker Punks podcast. My name is Emmett Witkowski Eldrin, and I'm one of your hosts, and I am so excited for today's episode of the podcast. In fact, I'm so excited that I'm going to keep my own comments pretty brief so we can get right into it. And that's also partly because today's episode features an incredible, in-depth, and insightful conversation on a topic that I know pretty much nothing about. So as far as I'm concerned, the less you hear of my voice, the better. It's a conversation on the intersection of motherhood and ministry featuring the voices of four women in the Church of the Brethren who are themselves mothers of young children. Elizabeth Ellery Swenson, pastor and church planter of the Wildwood Gathering in Olympia, Washington, convenes this conversation. It also features the voices of Pastor Katie Shaw Thompson of the Highland Avenue Church of the Brethren, Jen Hostler, who is a pastor at the Washington City Church of the Brethren, and Marie Benner Rhodes from On Earth Peace. These are four women who I admire so much for the sheer force and majesty of God that is evident in each of their ministries. By the end of the episode, you're going to be admiring them too. So, with no further ado, let's hear from Liz Ulrich Swenson. Swinson. I'm the planting pastor for Wildwood Gathering here in Olympia, Washington. Among the many other identities that I have as an individual and as a pastor, the most recent identity that I have taken on is that of mother. My daughter Ellie was born last May, just before annual conference. And at annual conference, I had the opportunity to have some conversation with other Dunker Punk podcasters around this identity of motherhood within the church and particularly within the pastoral context. What does it mean to be to parent in the public setting of church? And how do we hold those identities together? And how do we um, be successful both as a parent and as a pastor in these contexts? So this conversation that I recorded between Katie Shaw Thompson, Maria Benner Rhodes, and Jen Hostler is uh, the beginnings of what I hope will be many conversations around what does it mean to parent these, as my mother has coined it, dunker punkins, the kids of our dunker punk podcasters. This conversation is much broader than this initial conversation, too. Parenting is a big umbrella term for what it means to have children in this world, and not all of us come to children in the same path. Some of us are female-bodied, female, comfortable, femme-identifying mothers, but there's a lot of ways to be a parent. And I hope that these conversations that we can have in the future will encompass that broader identity of parenthood and what that all means. So I invite you to reflect and listen in on this conversation, and I hope that this conversation will continue in the social media spaces, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Come follow us, find us, and uh, let's learn how to do this together. Um, so thank you, all of you, 
for being a part of this. Um, I'd love for us to introduce ourselves and um, maybe share your kiddos' ages and where you are in the world and what you do, maybe. Um, what you do with your free time, maybe what you do with your, what you get paid to do, <laughs> whatever context that means for you. I can start. I'm Elizabeth Ellery Swenson. I have a not quite nine month old um, who's currently asleep, and I am sure will wake up any moment now. Um, I live in the Pacific Northwest in Olympia, Washington, where I am doing um, a church plant called Wildwood Gathering. I'm also on the board for Open Table Cooperative um, and a Bethany student. Thanks, Elizabeth, for having us on the call. Um, I'm Katie Shaw Thompson. I have a little cold and a little vocal fry today, so I'll try to speak up. Um, I'm the pastor of the Highland Avenue Church of the Brethren, which is in Elgin, Illinois, in the great Midwest. And uh, I am the mother of a four-year-old and a six-year-old who's in kindergarten. And in my free time, I ride bikes, like all the time. <laughs> My name is Jen Hoffler, and I am one of the plural non-salaried ministers at Washington City Church of the Brethren, which means I am multivocational, don't get paid for my work at my church as one of the three equal pastors. Um, so I preach once a month in an ideal world, but, um, uh, but my other vocations are, um, I'm a full-time PhD student in community psychology. I finished everything but my dissertation. And so I'm at University of Maryland, Baltimore County. And so I juggle a research assistantship of 20 hours while writing my dissertation. So I do a lot of, I do church in my sort of quote-unquote free time um, and try to spend time with my husband and uh, eight-month-old son, Ayuba, um, in my other time. So I'm Marie Benner-Rhodes, and I'm the mom of a five-year-old and a one-year-old, and I'm the staff, I'm a staff person for On Earth Peace, the Youth and Young Adult Peace Formation Director. Um, I live in New York, New York State, so Ithaca area of New York, Finger Lakes, um, and in my free time, seems very little right now um I don't know what I do in the winter in my free time I think a lot of reading of novels and we cook a lot at home and in the summer uh we are organic vegetable farmers and so I do a lot of marketing like Ithaca like farmers market kind of things the free time question may have been a little bit unfair for this demographic I realize <laughs> Uh, thank you for sharing, introducing yourself, and thank you for being here. Um, I had sort of thought that we might model our conversation around um, struggles, successes, and support, um, thinking about the, the ways that we uh, live into this parenthood in church work. And we all do it in different contexts, whether we're pastoring a congregation or we're living in a congregation and providing leadership part-time or providing leadership at a national level. Um, what does it look like to parent and pastor or, or parent and church at the same time? Um, it feels unique. It feels um, invisible in some ways. And maybe that's just my experience. Um, but I would love to hear more. And um, Jen, before we got recording, you were talking a little bit about sort of your experience. Um, we were talking about your husband's experience um, in the, 
the lack of sort of leads that he got um, and how that impacted your family's ability. Yeah. Um, so I, I took some leave from my time at the church in a way, but since I'm not paid and juggle a lot of things anyways, it's sort of that more easily things more easily bled back in for me. Um, and I got six weeks paid leave, thankfully from my research assistantship and then took some unpaid leave. But Nate, um, he got two weeks of paid leave. And because our son um, was born in a birth center and the birth itself was uncomplicated. And then he had to spend a little over five days in the NICU. Um, two of two, Nate's two weeks of paid leave, um, you know, five, six days of that was already taken up um, in the NICU. And so then, um, he had only about a little over a week at home and thankfully was able to take a, a mixture of, of sick leave, um, in order to, and worked at some FMLA things to take a little bit more time or at least some flexibility half time, um, with some of that sick leave built in, but it was challenging to not have my partner at home with me, um, you know, for full three months, um, particularly coming from Canada, a lot of my family was aghast at the shortness of my leave, um, let alone the shortness of my partner's leave. Yeah, when it comes to leave, I think uh, this is a place where at least our denomination and probably other churches, too, has some work to do. Um, I don't know if it's the growing pains of having um, shifting gender roles or um, shifting gender norms in the pulpit or uh, in leadership. Um, but it seems like there's not a lot of support built into particularly the pastoral guidelines for how to support pastors who have children, have babies, and have um, and take family leave. Um, so what I found myself doing at both the churches, I started working out um, individually with them with uh, very little um, guideline from the larger church um, about you know what's like a normal leave I've never had a baby before what can you handle or what should I do what should I expect I mean I was so clueless going into motherhood um like just as an example Parker brought, bought me a guitar you know because I was gonna have all this time off when I had a baby to like learn how to play the guitar like that's how clueless I was about how much time it would take so you know I could have used uh, like a little help figuring out no, you're, you are likely to be absolutely exhausted. And, you know, on top of that, um, you know, I was serving a church in Iowa, and my whole extended family lives in Pennsylvania. I didn't have a sister, a mom, a mother-in-law, you know, to spell me out. And um, I um, worked, um, thank God, people in the congregation, because I didn't also have time to make any friends outside of the congregation who were going to do it. Thank God that there were people in the congregation who stepped up to, to really fill those roles for me. Um, honestly, taught me how to be a mother in so many ways um, and held my screaming college baby. I mean, those are the kind of things you can never pay. Um, and so it, it was hard. It was just really hard in a way that I was totally unprepared for. And I took very little leave the first time. I took six weeks. Um, which was really not enough for me. And it took 12 the second time, which was still, um, you know, not ideal, I think, but, uh, you know, better. And um, Parker and I, the first time, were splitting a position, so he took very little leave at all. 
Um, and the second time, uh, he had a, a different position, so it was much more flexible. Um, he, was, he was a church uh, camp director. Um, so we made it work in a better way. Um, what we ended up doing was different um, shifting locational calls. When I took this job, um, Parker felt also be the stay-at-home parent and the primary caregiver. Um, and I took this job in a full-time way. And even though I intended, I do not intend to have any more children and um, do not think that is in the cards for us, I still, when I came here, negotiated a 12-week um, maternity paternity leave just hopefully that that would be there for whoever comes next. Even if I'm here for 20 more years, I'm hoping somebody pulls that out of the woodwork um, for whoever comes next. And I think um, I would love for other people to benefit from my, my mistakes and uh, growing up. Mm, that's so validating and normalizing. And also, like, thank you for doing the hard work to have that be a thing at that church now. <laughs> uh, Absolutely. Like- You're very welcoming. Yeah, thank you, Katie. I'd like to add on on top of that, you kind of reminded me um, just of several people um, at the district level and also at uh, my congregational level who like really told me like, hey, we need to plan for you to take time off because you need to take time off. And I think I, without have having another woman who was also a parent um, in our congregation really um Address that for our congregation and like make the men and, and everyone else, including myself, but like just sort of force people to make the plans, force me to make plans. And also at the um, at a district committee that I am was one of the main facilitators of a ministry team um, to also be like, we need to plan for you to be on leave and you should not be at our meetings um, <laughs> for a little while um, without having other women. Um, go before me to encourage me to do that, I think I, I would have, it was hard enough and that would have been really, really hard to not have them. So this is Marie. Um, and I had the opportunity, I, I'm one of the people who benefited from another woman's maternity, <laughs> like from her maternity experience at On Earth Peace. And so prior to me joining On Earth Peace, um, one of the co-directors at the time had a baby. And at that point, it's my understanding there wasn't much of a maternity or paternity policy. So she negotiated for a six week maternity policy, paternity policy. And along with that, a travel stipend for the first year, sometimes it can blend into a second year for breastfeeding mothers. And so that, especially the travel stipend, I think like I give a lot of credit to that for being part of what allows me to continue my work because denominational work requires an, an intensive amount of travel. Um, so with my first, um, my first child, I had a six week maternity leave. Um, with my second child, I, I also believe firmly that like it's our job as women to continue to push for better, well, and as people, really, to continue to push for better maternity and paternity um, leave. And so bet- between the two babies, um, I negotiated with On Earth Peace to add two more weeks of so 10 days of, we're calling it maternity wellness time, that can be used for either prenatal or postpartum like attached to your maternity leave partially I was realizing how much of my my wellness time I had used as a parent between the time of my first child and 
of my second child. So I had a lot of banked with wellness time <laughs> leading into the first child that I didn't have leading into the second child and realizing just how much time um, is required from women just to do prenatal care leading up to birth. Um, so we've negotiated that. It's still, I, I agree, I, like I believe it's inadequate. Like eight weeks maximum postpartum is, is not enough. Um, as a comparison, one of the things we look at, um, we're one of the co-sponsors from the Church of the Brethren for Christian Peacemaker Teams. And Christian Peacemaker Teams maternity leave policy is a nine-month policy that you can extend over two years, which in the U.S. looks very generous, but in the global platform is meager. And so having that as um, one of the tools we got to explore, <laughs> kind of looking at whether on Earth Peace or other organizations should offer more, really, <laughs> you know, really lends a different perspective, at least than a lot of organizations have in the United States about maternity leave. Nine weeks, nine, you said nine months? Nine months. That, would be, like, that you can extend over two years. So you could go part-time. You could go for two years, essentially. That's incredible. Um, I think that leave part is like so underrated. And like Katie said, when you're a first time mom, you just don't have a clue. I thought I was being really generous and like scratched together some church planter. Right. So I don't even have like a solid congregation to like lean back on. I really had to sort of scrap together, scramble together six weeks. Um, and ended up going back. I had, I had, I had seven weeks of Sunday coverage, but ended up going to annual conference <laughs> with a six week old. And because that felt really important to be there and we did it. It took five adults. Um, my parents and my spouse and my brother all traveled with us. Um, and we managed, but barely, um, but it's sort of like, what does it look like? There's this fear that, what you have built, the relationships you've built, the community, at least in my context of church planting, the church that I've created, the community that we're building together, the relationships that I have on a denominational level, the work that's happening on a denominational level, all feel so fragile. And I didn't think that any of them could survive without me. <laughs> and the denomination probably would have been fine. I could have skipped that in hindsight. Um, but I really like, I don't know, I don't know how you do it without an established congregation, you know, it's, and without denominational support, right? There's not, there's not greater structure to help foster young people in ministry, let alone young families in ministry, unless you are male and you have a wife who stays home full time. Yeah, and I would, I would I would add to that non-traditional forms like you don't have an established church, but also like like it's a non-traditional church um, format, or even just like plural ministry, like multivocational, bivocational. Right. That that the denomination doesn't really know what to do with our types of congregations in general, let alone <laughs> young women who are parents. I think is yeah. also another facet. Well, and even like on a district level, like we don't have, we have, we have in congregational ministry in our district, we have three young families in family ministry, right? 
I don't think I'm forgetting anybody that are active in district life. It's the other caveat, right? Um, like pulling teeth to have child care or children's activities at district events. And I know that's probably a unique problem because we're a really small district, but it's just this blind spot of once your kids are older and you don't, you know, we'll just pass the baby around. It's fine. You can be there with the kid. Doesn't work because it doesn't allow our brains to be present in the conversation or in the meeting because we're still responsible for the child or children. And I just, it just is such a short, like it's such a blind spot. Yeah. We had a compelling vision in our district and I was emailed and asked to be a facilitator. And I was like, I can, but I need childcare available because Nate was, Nate was supposed to be in Nigeria. Um, and they ended up arranging childcare for, for me and for some musicians. It turned out Nate's schedule changed. So he, um, stayed home. I used to stay at home with Nate. Um, but yeah, that and also annual conference. Um, I didn't know that, um, it didn't really seem advertised. Annual conference childcare for the littlest people actually starts whenever a parent is comfortable to send them. Um, but when I looked on the website at like previous years, it just sort of said like early childhood. Does that, what does that mean? Does that mean two? Does that mean a year old? Like I wouldn't have wanted to put my seven, Actually, he was five weeks old, five weeks old, five week old baby um, in early child care, also because I'm breastfeeding. Um, but then I needed to negotiate being being on call as a listening team um, while also nursing my baby in the in the giant meeting space of conference. Um, and I need to figure out what fulfilling that call. Apparently, I have this gift of um listening and, and mediation, but I also, since I'm not salaried, um, time when I have my son out of daycare and if I'm at annual conference, it's also time I want to be spending with my son because I don't get to see him all the time since I am not a salaried pastor and, and juggle lots of things and have to put my child in, in daycare. So I feel like it's, yeah, a lot of people don't have a lot of things that young parents or women clergy um, are dealing with on their radar at all. I don't, I don't think I did before, before I was in this situation. Without wanting to sort of rush us through this, because I think we could spend a lot of time here and I think we'll probably come back to this later on, but um, also being cognizant of the time that we have available to this conversation, what are some places where you've been supported or seen a success or felt a success? Like how has your work grown or changed or been made deeper or more effective through your transformation and becoming a parent? Well, I think that we could write a book about this. It's a great question. Um, so many things come to mind for me. I mean, from preaching, um, pregnant, um, like really big in <laughs> the pulpit. Uh, one Sunday I did that, and it was also like, oh, I cribbed something from my friend Jean Davies where she played happy during the service and so i played that following the sermon on a pentecost and i encouraged people to dance god forbid the brethren dance but we did and they told me afterwards that that was the first time they had ever seen a pregnant pastor dancing in the pulpit <laughs> i just thought what a beautiful opportunity i have been given and and what a beautiful congregation this is the one in iowa you know to 
to see that and to say, and to, you know, they kind of smirked and smiled because, you know, and, and but it appreciated um, of the difference in the way that it expands and changes the way we think about what is holy and where is God and, um, you know, how do each of us carry uh, those gifts in our lives. So, I mean, that was a gift and um, continues, having children continues to be uh, a challenge and a gift for me in my faith walk and my ministry. I mean, just, you know, I could write a book about um, the way that learning to love someone, the way that I love my children has just exploded my heart and how that has grown my faith in like, you know, if the divine source of all love, you know, if I've gotten just a little bit more of an open door to see that and to see how God loves each and every one of us, I mean, that, that is a gift for which I am ever grateful that I have gotten out of becoming a mother and has changed me as a minister in person. And um, also the opportunity to have my children just completely um, disrupt my plans for children's story, like my <laughs> children, like time after time <laughs> has been so incredible. And, you know, I, I have just, decided to embrace the opportunity to change my plans for the children's story and to um, embrace the opportunity to, um, to parent in public. That's how, that's how Don and Tony Wilhelm put it for me once. You're, you know, it, it's a ministry to parent in public and to, um, that can be totally unnerving. Um, but I've just, um, I've decided to embrace it and to like my kids, they lose their stuff on a, you know, like on the regular at my church, you know, like it could be, uh, they're crying in the children's story. They're crying because we are trying to get them to leave church. They're running amok around the, around the sanctuary. And, you know, I don't get to be Ms. Perfect Pastor with the kids who all line up and follow me like ducks in a row. I don't get to do that. And I think that that is a gift that challenges my perfectionism, challenges my control issues, and I think it is a gift for my congregation. You know, the Church of the Brethren, we have this beautiful ethos um, to help each other and to humility and to um, simple graciousness. Um, and and I, you know, I'm in love with this tradition, and I think um, it also, we also have the same I see the same tendencies to perfectionism that come out of all the beauty of that. I think the end is, you know, to, to be the kind of people who don't have any problems. Um, and so I think it's such a gift to have disruption <laughs> because I think Jesus is disruptive and disrupting. And here come these little people who don't know the rules and can't abide by them. And that is a beautiful thing. So that's my long diatribe on all those things. Hmm, I love that. And I would totally read that book. So get working on it. <laughs> well, I wanted to appreciate a lot of what I've been hearing and um, this idea of parenting in public, what I get to do a lot of. And I get to do a lot of parenting in front of people who don't know me or my children well, <laughs> which I think is a little different than congregational ministry. And also the conversation we we're having about childcare. Like one of the things I've actually found exceptional being someone who travels with my young children and I still travel with both of them, um, is the willingness of nearly everywhere I go for people to step forward and want to watch my kids. Um, oftentimes, my kids aren't as willing to have people watch them <laughs> that they don't have relationships with. 
as people are willing to offer. It's often a ministry for me over and over again to to receive people's care for myself and my kids. And I love the intergenerational aspects of that in my work that my that the church gets to offer our children. There's not a lot of places outside of family like the church to be able to offer yeah, intergenerational and cross-generational learning together. And so whenever I can keep my kids in a space, I do. Whenever it's a something that I can manage, as a, like if I'm facilitating a space, <laughs> if I can manage my children and every the content that we're learning and the people in the room together, I love doing that because I think the ways we learn and experience, even process theology and together when there are children and adults and older adults in a room together, it just shifts. I mean, the conversation is really rich that way. And the, the generosity and the willingness of the church to allow my kids to be present in a lot of spaces has surprised me. There have been some places that I've been surprised that my kids are not welcome. And um, those have been harder initially. I've gotten a lot better at just saying, well, then I'm not your facilitator for that, <laughs> you know, like, mm-hmm. and get, and gaining a piece about that. Like being able to say, you know, I can find someone else who can be here for you. I don't have to be that person every time. But I think another gift that the church, at least in my work, gets to do is that some of the early, I think about early formation and social justice in my life and the way the church provided that. And my work, oftentimes, I, I laugh because the first conversations, the first the first series of like, I'd say nine retreats that, that my daughter went with me on my five-year-old were all anti-racism, like understanding and dismantling institutional racism within the church, um, within our organization. And my, my son, who's one, his formative like workshops that he's been a part of in the last year are a lot of trauma-informed, like what, what does it mean to be trauma-informed in our work? And allowing these conversations, the depth of these kind of conversations alongside theology and church to be the way that they're learning early about what it means to, to follow Jesus and um, to work for peace and justice um, and to be part of community just really is wonderful. Like I, I love that part of parenting in church. I think a few ways that um, being a parent has changed or may have changed my ministry a little bit is um, it's made me more protective. Like I think I had had good boundaries before in terms of my marriage and self-care, um, but it was still a lot. And to cope with um, balancing several vocations, but I, I keep a really strong boundary around our family time, um, just since I have so much going on. So I think that's been helpful. Um, but it's neat to also having so much on my time, and we don't have anyone paid to do outreach. Um, having a little, a little adorable baby um, <laughs> to when I walk, um, go different places, um, meeting neighbors with. Um, it's just it's a neat. It's a neat compliment to ministry is having a little partner um, to help make relationships because literally every single person we walk by wants to smile at my child or look at him in some way because he's a smiley, wiggly, fun little person. Um, so that's really neat to see the different types of relationships that I can make. Um, we've been in Washington, D.C. for seven years this year, been on the pastoral team for almost six 
Um, so it just sort of changes the way that we engage with some of our neighborhood physical spaces. We didn't typically walk. Um, we only biked. Um, and we had been biking as a family until our cargo bike had a little recall. So we're walking more right now. And it, um, it just changes the way we interact with the neighborhoods between us and our church. Um, and another thing that I think has been neat is um, I think I think it's really helpful as in terms of our society to help normalize breastfeeding. So that's something that I'm um, willing to do in worship. I use I do use a nursing cover because that's just my preference of how I felt comfortable um, and wanted to make other people feel comfortable. Um, but um, sometimes my son has just wanted to keep nursing and. I've needed to get up to help lead some songs. And so thankfully not with on guitar. We had another person playing guitar. Um, but so I, we have some, Nate took a picture of, of me standing up and helping vocally lead a song um, with my big um, nursing cover over me and my son underneath. Um, that I'm grateful for my congregation that they've been understanding. And we mentioned had other a couple other people before me who were willing to, to nurse in the sanctuary, um, just that it's a real thing. It's human. Um, it actually also helps me think about um, scripture and Mary's circumstances about like how, like a breastfeeding mother of Jesus and how that would have been. Um, so I think that's a neat, a neat aspect of being in ministry and being a leader to help help push to normalize with breastfeeding and even pumping and having spaces for pumping. I think, I think they're beautiful. I think I was leading a prayer. Like I was praying with the current, with Wildwood community and Ellie was nursing. Um, and so like from an outside perspective to think about attending a community of faith where the pastor is actively nursing their child while they're praying for the whole community. Like in my head, that seems really cool. And I'm like, that's amazing. And doing it, is really hard. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> and yet I'm still committed to do it because I know that it's really important and I know that it's a unique gift to the community to be able to lead from that perspective and to share that perspective. Um, but I think it's sort of like, it takes a whole lot more energy and brain capacity and like everything than I knew that I had or that I knew that I needed to be able to have. <laughs> um, I remember, uh, Katie, you preached at NYC when you were pregnant. Um, and very was, pregnant, you were very pregnant and you were, and you were barefoot. And, um, I remember seeing that and it was, I was, it took us a while to be able to have a child. And so I remember seeing that and just like, that's my goal, right? Like not necessarily to preach NYC pregnant and barefoot, but like that full embodiment. to be clear. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's a lot. But it's, it's a, that full embodiment of being called to ministry, being called to motherhood, being called to parenthood and being able to be that in all in that moment and to carry that with you in that moment and um it connected to me like this idea of like women being barefoot in the kitchen pregnant and barefoot in the kitchen and and to juxtapose that with pregnant and barefoot uh, and preaching just was so mm. perfect for me and such a great 
uh, visual image to help guide, you know, whatever was going on for you, like in my own head, in my own story of what you're doing, <laughs> um, mm -hmm. was really, and has been really helpful in how I choose to lead and how I choose to show up. And like, I hope that the way that I embody motherhood and leadership can also set that, set up a, a context for someone else to step into leadership in the fullness of themselves. And I think to, you know, as you said, we each have said at different places, like parenthood is messy and our kids don't always cooperate with the way that we would like them to. Um, and some kids are more challenging than other kids. <laughs> and that's a perfect illustration of church. That's a perfect illustration of, of being whole and messy before and with God. Um, one of the books that I was for a class last spring um, talked about the, icon, um, the icons of God prior to sort of like that have been so these, these iconographic images of God that have been ignored, dismissed, shifted away from centrality. And one of them was this idea that the images that we have of Mary nursing Jesus, Mary is the embodiment of God. Jesus is embodied in Jesus. Or, no, sorry. Mary is the embodiment of God. And um, humanness, humans are embodied in Jesus. And this depicts humans' relationship to God. And that was really powerful for me in thinking about how my theology has shifted um, since becoming a parent. And how do we model that shift in theology in the ways that we live? Mm -hmm. Maybe there's other good questions, but I was thinking about, um, like I feel I feel nudged to talk about mentors in this. Um, I guess we've named, you know, benefiting from uh, Marina and benefiting from the women, that, the women that came before her. And um, for me, you know, um, particularly, you know, men, many different women come to mind, but particularly um, my friend and mentor, Christy Dowdy, you know, to watch the way that um, she balances, you know, she and her husband, Dale, served together in the parish for a long time, and um, they balance the marriage and the work and the child rearing, you know, it was all shared by them, which is beautiful, and I tried that, and uh, it's a heck of a lot harder than they make it look, <laughs> but they... But they 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 did it for a long time, and um, I think there's such a what you were saying was there's such a beauty in the um in the mix of it all and the, in the messiness I guess but but in the balance you know I'm I'm really into reading the work of Ursula Le Guin right now and mm -hmm. in one of her essays she um, she was a primary caregiver for her children you know in a in, a, in an era when uh, you know generals were a little different um, and she was a writer at the same time, a, a Rhodes Scholar, you know, for, you know, years ago, she just passed in 18. And um, she wrote of being a full-time mom and, you know, as much of a full-time writer as she could be, that it was all one thing to her. It wasn't about uh, even, she didn't even like the terms of balance. Like it was, it was all one thing with the ebb and the flow and the one said the other. And I thought, you know, I don't know how I feel about that if I was still in the throes of uh, keeping a newborn alive. 
But for me, now, with the four and the six-year-olds who are a little more independent, you know, that that resonated with me about the ebb and the flow of things and how the one feeds the other and how I watch, uh, you know, a children's movie and got, an, uh, you know, the nugget of an idea for a sermon that lit me up, right? And, and at the same time, my kids ask me these beautiful theological questions. Um, and let's uh, do the other way. The way that church makes me a better parent. Um, I think if I put the right boundaries on it, church does make me a better parent. Um, there's a lot of discipline there, and there's a lot of walking the talk that I that I'm grateful for. I I like that, and and I recognize the distinction between like a kid that has a little more independence <laughs> than a nine month old. It's a little like it's coming it's okay yeah and 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 the sort of like driving reminder is that this doesn't last forever this is just a phase this is one of one of many phases and there's more to come but i think what you point to like these mentors people are the support people that help us do it and um i know i could not do any of what i do without the support of my spouse lou who is baby wrangler and um, comforter during Wildwood, unless milk is necessary, and then I have to step in. Um, and you know, my parents. My dad's a retired minister. My mom is a retired pastor's wife, and so she knows what I need to do. And so she she has stepped up in a lot of ways to be able to help me show up in places um, that I need to be. And there's just what are the what are the people that have sort of help support you to continue to do the work that you're called to do. Just one of the things I'm thinking of is I grew up at Harrisburg First Church of the Brethren, and I'm a pastor's kid. And I've always been pretty comfortable in church, like pretty comfortable, like not having rules in church, <laughs> just doing what I want to do. Like, from the kid right. um, but it was interesting becoming a parent and going to the same place. And one of the things that Pastor Belita, one of the ways she starts, I don't know if she starts every Sunday. I go there on like Christmas Eve and well, some other Sundays throughout the year, but you know, these bigger Sundays. And she often will start by saying, everyone's welcome here and kids are kids here. You don't have to expect your children to be something other than they are. And they're welcome in this space, you know, and that's beautiful. She said it forever. But I finally heard it. You know, it was like one of those mm-hmm. things that I finally heard as a parent. Mm-hmm. I want to say like a year or two into having my first child there. Just suddenly, like, you know, after the phase that I could hold them and nurse them and just have infant cries, which are infant cries. They're, they're disruptive, but they're different, you know. Yeah. Um, but to suddenly have a toddler and a preschooler, like wanting to run around and wanting to shake a tambourine and wanting to like go change the crayon colors that she got in her packet. and just. Having mission granted from the pulpit every Sunday, it meant so much. <laughs> you know, it wasn't just an occasional thing. It was really like, this is who we are as church. And to be able to really have that settle on me as a parent, um, it was beautiful. And now I want to take that everywhere I go, right? <laughs> like, I, I just want to say, that's what church is. <laughs> so if I can insert church everywhere I go, then I want to do that. Although <laughs> it might not be mine to always do. But they, how often I need to be reminded that that my kids are allowed to be kids and that that it's okay to be a parent and it not be more than that. And, um, yeah, that the church is really for us. 
and however we are coming us me my kids you know whatever that moment is in wildwood we always begin by we have this little like introductory statement that we read every week and part of it is um you were invited to show up as yourself whole and holy um which to me speaks to show up as you are and wherever you are and however you are but now I'm like in my head going editing okay so how can I add that like whole and holy and kids will be kidding like what can I add in to like really name that because we've had within Wildwood a baby boom we had three babies born in like six months four months six months three months no four babies <laughs> three babies born in three months um, and then I've had other kids come in the last year or two. And so naming kids belonging is really become important. And I like that reminder to do that on a weekly basis. I think it's partially that parents need to hear it. Like we need to know that it's okay. Yeah. And I find that I'm often needing to hear that from people who sometimes it's people who are parents, but sometimes it's people who are not that I need to hear it from. Like I need to hear it from people who are older than me, like grandpa yeah. saying it's okay. And people who are younger than me, like reminding me that I'm probably the most frustrated person in the room when it comes to my kids. <laughs> like it's really good to be reminded that not everyone is experiencing what's happening the same way I am. And yeah. that that's okay. And to accept like, uh, this is a tangent, so just bear with me for a minute. But um, one of the things that has gotten me through the first nine months of Ellie's life is a weekly yoga class taught by my becoming dear friend, Kelly May. And I, Ellie and I first went when she was four weeks old and we barely got, we were late, but by some miracle, we were the only participants that week. So we sort of stumble in the door and Kelly May just takes Ellie out of my, <laughs> takes uh, Ellie out of my hands and just holds her. And she's not an easy baby. She cries a lot and she just bounced her and to sleep and just gave me space. She guided me through a yoga routine that, that I hadn't moved my body in weeks. Right. And she just sort of like held this space and she's done that for me and lots of other moms every week for the last nine months. I don't remember where the story was going. <laughs> <laughs> other than it's been really important. Oh. Oh, what she said is like, she creates this space where I get to be and Ellie gets to be and we just show up and whatever happens in that space happens in that space. And that's what church should be too. Where so, and, and for so many weeks, uh, my kid would be the fussiest kid in yoga class and Kelly may would just pick her up and bounce her. She has this magic ability to bounce her to sleep just every week. <laughs> and I would feel so guilty because none of the other parents, kids were being held. They would be fussy. Ellie got it every week. And she finally said to me, um, you just have to let go and accept it and welcome it and be okay with it. Because if you don't enjoy those 10, 15, 20 minutes where you're not responsible for your baby, you're wasting it for everyone else in the room. And it was this beautiful reminder of like, when someone walks up to you and takes the child and say, it's okay, you can let go for a minute to genuinely accept it and to accept the support because you can't do this alone. Your kid's not always going to behave. And the person mm -hmm. who can validate and say, it's okay, generally isn't going home to a child that's at that age. And they can handle it for 10 minutes yeah. and give me 10 minute break. <laughs> the opportunity to be there for each other, that's the gift to giving the people who want to do it, the opportunity to do it. And, you know, holding a baby, I mean, even 
having a four and a six year old now, I'm, I'm not looking for any more of my own. I'm like, oh, I would hold somebody else's baby. They're so sweet for 10 minutes. I mean, sincerely, I love, I love that picture of how the church could be and, and is uh, for so many. I, I really, I really am going to hold that. And I don't want to get off this call without saying really clearly how I can't. I don't even know how I will go on functioning without my partner who is um, such an amazing dad and um, so supportive um, of my ministry and, and um, vocational call. So, um, yeah, and, and so for me, I guess you know, I would say um, I had a journey of being okay with him being the primary caregiver, you know, not feeling guilty about that. That, that was um, my own thing to to get okay with because that was what he felt called toward to and uh, to, to let that be just as it should be. I'm glad I finally got there. <laughs> well, I'm happy for us to continue on if we would like. I know you said you had nine minutes, Katie, and you've used up four more than nine. Um, <laughs> I also have a – she's awake now. <laughs> I'm showing Marie the monitor of her in the car seat in the crib asleep where she was asleep. Um, and yeah. I can take a break. I'm good to go. Thank, thank you so much for making this space and inviting us into the conversation. Thank you. Thank you. More to come. Thank you all so much. <laughs> Mine too. Liz, thank you for holding this space for such a much needed and much appreciated conversation. I simply want to echo your own desire that you stated at the top of the podcast that the insights laid bare in this conversation would lead to even more discussion online about the topic of motherhood and parenthood, especially as it relates to vocation, ministry, and life within the church. To those listening, this is where you can come in. Do you have experiences of ministry and motherhood that you want to share? If so, please feel free to email them to us at dpp at arlingtoncob.org. Or find us on social media by searching for the username at Pod. It is so evident, both from this conversation and the experiences shared in this podcast, but also from stories that we have always known, that the church's long history of discrimination against women in ministry continues its legacy through poor policies related to family leave and prenatal care. And also those dis- those stigmas that were discussed against breastfeeding, those stigmas and frowns about the general presence of pastors, kids, and their unvarnished behavior. Whether you're a woman or a man or non-conforming, whether you're a parent of the past, in the present, in the future, or even never, we all must demand in our culture and in our churches policies that create space and opportunity for women to be mothers and ministers, for ministers to have families, changes that let kids just be kids. It is also plainly evident that the full breadth of God's love and majesty and creativity is held within the experience of motherhood and parenthood, that our churches and church institutions are better for the presence and witness and ministry of women like Liz, Katie, Jen, and Marie, who themselves talk about how 
their own ministry is made better by the experience of motherhood. It is obvious that when we fail to open space for mothers to be mothers in our pulpits and for kids to be kids in our congregations, in those moments that we fail to do that, we fail to open space for God. I loved that image that Liz shared of Mary nursing Jesus and how in that moment she embodied God and Jesus embodied all of us. What a beautiful, crucial revelation of God's nature and the nature of our relationship to God and to one another. I really hope that you carry that image with you as this episode comes to an end. Carry it as you go forth to continue this conversation. Carry that image as you ask questions about what your congregations and your church institutions are doing to foster the prophetic ministry. Thank you so much for tuning in for this episode of the Dunker Punks podcast. I really hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. The Dunker Punks podcast is produced by a team of contributors from around the United States who are working to hold and create space for vital conversations like these regarding the life of the church. This episode was edited by Jacob Krauss, who also performs our theme music, and it was produced by Elizabeth Ollery Swenson. It wouldn't be possible without our folks behind the scenes, including Mallory Fitzgerald, Zachary Hauser, and Suzanne Lay. It also wouldn't be possible without the generous support and hospitality of the Arlington Church of the Brethren. My name is Emmett Wachowski-Eldred, and I'm today's host. To learn more about the Dunker Punks podcast or to get involved, visit arlingtoncob.org dpp or go to dunkerpunks.com. You can also email us at dpp at arlingtoncob.org. Find us on social media platforms by searching the handle at Dunker Punks Pod. Until next time, Dunker Punks, thank you so much for listening. <laughs>